This is Marcus da Costa, pastor of House of Israel UK, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I also want you to know that the message you're about to hear will inspire, challenge, and provoke you unto the kingdom of God's citizenry. So listen carefully, take good notes, and I hope you'll be richly blessed by this message. Back in the um, back in the day, people would wear the tunic, and as you can see in the picture, this individual has turned his tunic into something he can wear if he's about to go into battle or, or, or to serve in some way, shape or form. So what the image is demonstrating, brothers and sisters, is that to gird your loins is ultimately something you do with your tunic so you can serve. So you can engage in warfare. But Messiah, if we consider the context, the context isn't about warfare. The context really is about treasures in heaven. Focusing on that which pertains to the kingdom. And when we continue to read, we're going to see that this Girding about of one loin, the context alludes to service. It's important for you to see here, brothers and sisters, that Messiah is teaching his disciples using the language which is familiar to them to bring them into the understanding That they need to live a lifestyle of service. Yeshua is compelling his disciples to store their treasures in heaven. So that is where their hearts would be. Because in doing so, their focus becomes service to the Most High as opposed to service to mammon, service to Pharaoh, service to sin and unrighteousness. Service to Pharaoh, service to mammon, service to sin and unrighteousness is what you do when you have a belief system or understanding which is focused on a natural life holy. However, Yeshua, who comes from above, recognizes that this is a part of your life, but there is a life outside of the natural one that you experience. He has experience of both and he is declaring to the people, you need to, to store your treasures in heaven. The one that he is the way to is one which is more profitable if you sow into that kingdom and that life.
a consequence of storing your treasures on earth only is that it restricts you from serving the, our Father who is in heaven. Because that is where your heart will be. The lusts of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things can keep you from living a life that stretches beyond the natural. Jehovah made heaven and earth. He made things seen and unseen and he did so by Yeshua. Who is declaring to the people that it's more profitable to serve Jehovah. To obtain treasure in heaven that fails not. Than mammon for the abundance of things. And he carries on. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord. So in doing so, having your heart fixed on treasures in heaven, how do I become rich towards God? Being in the mindset of a servant. Preparing yourself to serve. You become like unto a servant who's waiting for their Lord. So the language again is servants. Servitude. Waiting for the Lord. Ready for their master to enter in. And when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he may gird himself and make them sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch, or in the third watch, and find them so, blessed are these servants. Blessed are those who are ready for their master's return. Because he, when he comes, his reward is with him. Notice now, brothers and sisters, that those who are blessed are those who are ready. Now he could come in the first watch, he could come in the second or third watch, but the blessed ones are ready. Notice they didn't give him a time, the Lord didn't give them a time for his return. They just had to be ready. They had to be waiting. They had to be watching. But all the while they are waiting and watching, what we're going to see is that though they're waiting and watching, the jobs that they have were completed. It's no good, brothers and sisters, waiting for a beating. 
waiting for you to be punished. Waiting for condemnation. Though you may be watching and waiting, all you're waiting for is judgment. The blessed ones who are watching and waiting, no matter if it's the first, second or third watch, are doing so because they are in expectation of the blessing. They are in expectation that when their master returns, he is going to be well pleased with them. Because when he comes, his reward is with them. So they're in eager anticipation for when the door knocks, for them to open a door. And we, brothers and sisters, in accordance to this parable, we don't want to be like the fool. We don't want to be concerned about the abundance of things to the degree we are not like the servants who are watching, waiting and are ready, completing our work in accordance to what he has given us. And therefore, as we will see, receive many stripes. We want to be like unto those who have been given jobs, who have been given responsibilities, understand what they are and get that job done. We want to be like the servants who gird themselves daily to serve in order for when the master to return, to return with the reward with him and to bless those servants. Being like the rich fool, concerned about the abundance of things, all the while being poor towards God, will ensure you won't be watching and ready to receive the master on his return. Being preoccupied with life will guarantee your inability to experience it beyond the natural realm. We mustn't be preoccupied with life. And the life that I'm referring to is the life which is solely experienced in the natural realm, the carnal life. Itching and fulfilling the lust of your flesh. Not considering the kingdom of Jehovah and how you can, how you can invest in that kingdom bank account because when you're preoccupied with life and living this life and don't allocate time for girding your loins and serving the father and allowing your light to burn bright what actually happens is you position yourself to be like unto the servants who weren't ready You mustn't confuse watching with being on YouTube, watching the news, being online and watching videos, 
That's not the kind of watching that Yeshua was speaking about. And I know people can sometimes get confused with looking at the times and knowing the times. But the ones who will receive stripes are those who knew the Father's will and didn't do it. Watching constitutes, I have done my job, I am ready for the master's return, and I am waiting on him, having completed all that was given unto me to do. I'm watching, so when he comes back, he is pleased with me. I'm watching, so that when he comes back, I receive a blessing. And not condemnation. Luke 12 verse 39. And this know. That if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come. He would have watched. And not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Yeshua will return in an hour ye think not. Therefore his admonition is to watch. When you store your treasures in heaven, that's where your heart will be. And as a consequence, when Yeshua returns, when you least expect it, you won't be preoccupied. You're not going to know the hour of his return. So Yeshua encourages his disciples to be in expectation moment by moment. Not knowing... The hour of the master's return shouldn't be controversial. But it is because there are so many who have published books, courses, launched DVDs and events based upon their guesstimation and prophesying with regards to dates as to when Yeshua will indeed return. And each one up until now has been false. You have denominations which have sprung into existence based upon False teachings of when Messiah will return. You have false messiahs. Living to this day with disciples. People who believe Messiah has returned already. It's amazing how 
There are so many people still in ministry today, still has followers today who have done this very thing, given dates, given hours, given times, got it wrong and been allowed back behind the podium and the pulpit to teach another message, to teach another another thing. That's a testament of carnality. Because if Yeshua is spirit, or the words of Yeshua are spirit and life, and he says you won't know, how did they know? Were they hiding behind the doorway in the throne room of grace and got the message? Yeshua encourages his disciples, you're not going to know, so be ready. You're not going to know, so be ready. Why therefore are there so many people teaching Yeshua's coming back on the Feast of Trumpets. Yeshua's coming back on the day of Passover, on the day of unleavened bread. Yeshua's coming back at the next blood moon. Yeshua's coming back when this accord, this agreement is signed. The master Yeshua tells to, tells to the people, you're not going to know when I'm coming back, so just be ready. The difference between the two positions is be ready on such and such a date. At such and such a time. Messiah's encouragement is be ready all the time. Be about the kingdom all the time. Be about serving and girding your loins all the time because like a thief comes in the night, you won't know when I'm coming, so just be ready. Just be watching. One position has people lax and lazy in the season when they don't expect him and start getting ready when they do. What if he comes when they don't expect him to come? Will they be ready then? Luke 12 verse 41. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us or even to all? And the Lord said, who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler 
over all that he hath. The servant now, it seems, serves, girds his loins, does the work of a servant in the house while the master is away. When the servant, when the master of the servant returns, knocks and the door is open unto him. Those who have committed themselves to do the work, they receive a promotion. A promotion. Now the promotion is because you've done this work, because you were ready, you were prepared for my return, all that I have, I am putting into your hands. Because you've been faithful. Now, while the master's not there, they could have been like these other servants, drinking, sleeping, fighting, arguing, bickering, doing all of this nonsense. And as a consequence, not be ready when he comes like a thief in the night. When the master returns, he will declare, he will cut them asunder. They will be severely punished because they knew the will of the father, yet they didn't do it. But the one that did his will, while he wasn't there, he will make him ruler over all that he has. Now the Apostle John, when he writes the revelation of Yeshua, he lets the people who read his epistle know the saints of the Most High, they're going to rule with Messiah. They're going to be priests. They're going to be kings. Prior to that promotion, you have to be a servant. If you're not willing to serve, to gird up your loins, to do the will of the Father right now, you are unworthy. You are disqualified from the promotion. Let's take this into the natural realm. We perfectly understand this in the workplace. And sometimes you may have detrimental terms for these kind of people who are seeking promotion who are seeking to be exalted 
You may, you may have called these people brown noses. A job's worth. What these terms are describing are those who want to win favour. When you want to win favour in the workplace because you're seeking a promotion, which is more responsibility, but as a consequence, more income, you make sure you arrive at, the, at a minimum of on time. That's at a minimum. Some of you who have sought a promotion will arrive 15 minutes, half an hour, one hour earlier. Because you want to do more than those who you are competing with. You want to make sure your attendance is on point, that you don't have days off. So you want that promotion, sometimes you will go in even when you're not feeling well for the purpose of trying to secure the position. You may work late. Say your P's and Q's. All in a bid to secure the promotion and therefore the gain that comes with it. This portion of our life, brothers and sisters, is the bid to enter into this other life promoted. What are you going to do during this time to ensure that when your time comes, you hear, well done. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Yeshua, therefore, because he came from that kingdom, he knows that kingdom. He's teaching his disciples. If you want to win favour in that kingdom, which is of greater profit than winning favour in this one, store your treasures in heaven. Affix your gaze on the kingdom of the Most High. And in doing so, you'll be like that person who is watching, waiting, ready. And as a consequence of being ready, the master who returns will make them ruler over all that he has. In verse 45, But and if that servant say in his heart. My Lord delayeth his coming. And shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens and to eat and be drunk 
and drink and be drunken. The Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him sunder and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. Yeshua here is talking about someone who was a servant but was spending their time not doing the work. So you can be called into the house to serve. You can be given the work to do. You can know the work that needs to be done. But if you've got time, Yeshua isn't coming till the day of trumpets. And I'm in the first month. So I've got time. He's not coming back till tabernacles. I got time. You just live your life. Go about your own business until you get close to the feast and that's when you start repenting. That's when you start making your phone calls and start asking for forgiveness. Asking for mercy, asking for grace. That's the first time you fast in the year. It's the only time you fast in the year. But what if he come the month before? Or a few months before? Will you be ready? This is why, brothers and sisters, that's a dangerous doctrine. It's a dangerous doctrine because it unprepares you. It gives you a sense of false security. But look at what he says. I will cut him in sunder and will, will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. The outcome for those who knew the will were in the house of servitude to the master, but didn't do the will is the same portion as the unbelievers. This, brothers and sisters, should be alarming. It should be alarming to you because what it says is if I'm not prepared now, right now, I need to make some changes straight away. Because what if the, 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 the prophets out there are wrong? What if YouTube is wrong? What 
if this other person who is who is making books and selling courses is wrong and conferences are wrong. And while I'm casually going about my business, I see the Messiah returning. Will I be the one weeping, gnashing teeth, mourning, trying to hide myself from the Lord? Because the Lord delay of his coming is party time. He's delayed. He isn't coming back right now. I've got till I've got till I'm living bread to, to get my stuff together. If that's the mentality when he returns and he catches you sleeping, drunk, Beaten, not doing the will of the Father, completely unprepared, you'll be cut in sunder and your portion will be that of the unbeliever. In verse 47. And that servant, which knew not his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew, if, that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For who, unto whom soever much is given, of him shall much be required. And of whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. In other words, brothers and sisters, it would be better for some of you had you not known anything. If you don't pull it together. If you don't pull it together, gird up your loins. Let your light burn. Set that candle up so you can work. You can get things done so you are ready. If you don't do that, you'll receive worse than those who didn't know anything. If you're given much, much will be required. And there are people who are going about their daily business in ignorance. You may be preaching to these people. You may be trying to, to teach these people what thus saith Jehovah because they don't know about the Sabbath. They don't know about the feast. They don't know about Yeshua and what the plan and purpose he came to fulfill. All the while, if you have a job and you're not doing it, you could receive greater punishment than them because you know the will of the father and you're refusing to do it this is what's being expressed here this journey of transformation is one whereby yeshua would tell speak to his disciples come and follow me 
they would leave it all behind. What about that one who would say, I will follow you, but I just need to say um, au revoir to the family. I need to go back to the family and have a feast with them and bid them farewell. I need to wrap up. Uh, I need to, 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 to work the notice. I need to give them three months or however months I need to give them. I need to just tie up some loose ends. If you're coming and looking back, you're not worthy. There needs to be revelation. The revelation you need to have is one which comes from above. And that revelation is this, what we are experiencing right here, right now, is not the full measure of the life that we have been called to live. If it was the full measure of the life we are called to live, Yeshua who came from above wouldn't say you need to be willing to give up your life. And in doing so, you'll find it. The full measure of your life consists of that which extends beyond the natural realm and includes a resurrection. It's important, therefore, that we recognize this, that Messiah who resurrected has informed his disciples that if you believe in him, you shall never perish. You shall never die. So his resurrection you can come into if you believe in him and therefore there is a greater life that consists of this one because Messiah yet lives. And if Messiah yet lives and he is from the time where he was crucified, we are into thousands of years ago. Is better to invest in the life that is thousands of years old that extends into eternity than the life where if you're lucky, if you're extremely blessed, you can get into the third digit. Messiah is teaching his disciples. The, the, the blessed people, those who are blessed, they're not just going to experience this life where you're a servant in the house because the master plans to return and when he returns, he's coming back with stuff. He's coming back with stuff. And he's putting all of his possessions on the table and letting the people in the house who did his will, because you did such a tremendous job, all that I have, I'm committing it into your hands. The foolish servants are going to exchange 
those promises for beer, for filthy liquor, for the discotheque, for the party, for fornication, for adultery, for a, a, a fleeting mo moment of carnality. If you know the will of the Father, all the while unprepared for Yeshua's return, by not doing it, then you'll fare worse than those who knew nothing at the judgment. To whom much is given, much shall be required. You can be appointed portions with the unbelievers by not doing the will of Yeshua. Belief, therefore, should have a physical manifestation. Contrary to what many of us have been told in times past, belief should have a physical manifestation. Belief should have a physical manifestation. Otherwise, you have knowledge, but your knowledge isn't connected with what you do. And if your knowledge isn't connected with what you do, then it's not who you are. So your belief should have a physical manifestation. If it doesn't. If your belief in the kingdom doesn't have a physical manifestation. Then what it tells me. Is that. The spirit. Of the word. The kingdom of heaven, though you know it, it is not in you. If it is not in you, how can you be prepared? You can't be prepared because it's not in you. You may know about it. You become the one who knows the will of the Father, but are not doing the will of the Father. So your faith becomes without works. And the works that also require faith are the obligations of the kingdom citizenry, which though this world seems to be hell-bent on destruction. You have to be willing to experience the persecution and backlash that comes from 
not being of it. In Luke 12, verse 49, I come to send fire on earth. And what will I if it be already kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how am I straightened till it be accomplished? Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth. I tell you, nay, but rather division. This word, this life, its purpose isn't to bring peace on the earth. In the sense that when it came, it was sent into a hostile environment. Messiah wasn't sent to comply with the Pharisees, with the Sadducees, with the Herodians, with the Romans, with the Grecians. He wasn't sent to comply with his brothers, with his sisters, with his mother, with Joseph. This is not a word, brothers and sisters, that when lived out is one which will establish peace with those who are not doing the will of the Father. This is an offensive word. So much so that the people who seem to be so versed in the book whereby they, they can debate and quote scriptures with the Messiah, he was a stumbling block unto them. In much the same way, we are a stumbling block to those who we are in the midst of. As a consequence of Messiah coming from above and teaching his disciples and sending out his disciples to teach those of the nations. The people whose hearts were affixed and pegged to this world they became hostile to this foreign message, to this foreign way of living. That wasn't the way they did it in any part of the world. In any part of the world, that message was foreign. If it was a foreign message in Israel, and they persecuted the one who was sent unto them and his disciples. Anywhere in the world this would be alien to. 
And as a consequence, hostility. But that was the purpose. To take possession is the purpose. To be offensive, not in the sense of I'm coming for the purpose to hurt your feelings. But in the same sense that the kingdom of heaven, it suffers violence. You need to drive the kingdom forward. You need to overcome that of the world. The mindset of a soldier. Not concerning yourself with civilian affairs, but doing the work of the kingdom. Having on the armor of God. The armour. So you can be on the offensive to defend yourself, but also to go on attack. That's what the sword is for. So when this message comes, it's a message which is offensive to those whose hearts are yoked to the world, who are carnal. On the flip side, the people who have embraced the gospel of the kingdom, their hearts and their affections are set above. As a result, the world is an offence unto them. You have this separation. This purposeful separation. The Bible says the wrath of God is going to be poured out upon the children of disobedience. Separate yourself from the children of disobedience so the wrath of God don't come upon you. How do you do that? It begins with your conversation, with your actions. Herein lies the purpose of the teaching from the mountain plain. It has been said, but I say unto you. Why is he saying these things unto them? So the children of God can be separated from the children of disobedience. Now in the midst of this separation... There's going to be times when you, when your home 
feels like a war zone. Why? Because you have to separate from those and distinguish yourself from those who you know the wrath of God will be poured out upon if they don't change. But you have changed. So what must you do? Through your behavior, you abstain. Through your words, you abstain. That doesn't bring peace to your home. Oftentimes, it brings division. Husband from wife. Wife, husband. Fathers from sons. Fathers from daughters. Mothers from sons and daughters. Sons and daughters from mothers and fathers. Yeshua understood this and is preparing his disciples in that way because I suspect some of them there would experience this, had experienced this, as well as us to this day. Now you have to ask yourself, do you love your children enough that you are going to allow yourself to be cut in sunder, to experience the many stripes not in this time, but in the time to come. Remember, Yeshua, who came from above, he places a greater value on the time which is to come, which he's saying, telling his disciples, invest in this time which is to come. Invest in this other life, which I'm teaching you about. This life which we have here is marginal. It's a marginal life in comparison. You have a, a, a set period of time and you compare that to forever. The set period of time is marginal, it's nominal, it's nothing in comparison. And he's saying, this word that I'm giving you, it's not going to bring peace. It's going to cause division. But if you choose to be undivided from those who I will eventually condemn and judge, you will experience the same judgment.
Going through this is unpleasant. It's unpleasant. I don't know anyone who have mentioned to me that they rejoiced in the experience of their children turning against them. Or their children turning against the father in heaven and as a consequence turned against them. In fact, I have experienced quite the opposite. People don't get to see their children. People don't get to experience their time with their grandchildren. They oftentimes may spend these joyous occasions alone because those who are near to them in the natural sense are separate from them in the spiritual sense. That's not something which is pleasant. It's unpleasant for me when there are positions that I have to hold which having the wisdom of God you express in advance to let people know this is my position on this matter and I can see that you are venturing down this road and I want you to know in advance if you get to this point this will be my position. And they get offended when I repeat, this is my position. No one likes that feeling where you are divided against people in your, in your household, your people who you love. But Messiah came and let us know the purpose as to why he come. And that is, I need to separate sheep from goats. Unfortunately, brothers and sisters, your parents can be goats. Your husband and wife could be a goat. So too can be your children, your aunties, your uncles, your cousins, your neighbours. And as a consequence, you may experience the fire which is re he is referring to here. You may experience the tribulation of the separation that takes place but you have to determine am I going to be a servant who is prepared who is ready or am I going to sit down eat, drink be joyful and party and all of this other stuff 
knowing that I've been warned, if I sit down with them and be dissuaded from my servitude with them, regardless of who, I, who, who they are, I'm going to be beaten as, as they are. I'm going to be cut and punished as they are. In Luke 12 verse 52. It says. For from henceforth. There shall be five in one house divided. Three against two. And two against three. The father shall be divided against the son. And the son against the father. The mother against the daughter. And the daughter against the mother. And the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law. And the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. Are these not the times that we are in right now? I remember growing up. The phrase used to be. Judeo-Christian. And what the phrase was describing was a belief in Jesus that includes this commandment-based foundation centered around the ten, excluding the seventh-day Sabbath. One of those commandments was to honour your mother and father. In this day and age, you have children who can sue their mother and father, take them to court, call up the police on them, get them put in prison. Who will curse their mother and father. Lay hands on their mother and father. Be disrespectful to their parents. You see this when you go out in public. Yeshua is declaring to the people. As we'll see if we carry on reading. This is a sign of the times. A sign of the times is the division in the household. And he said also to the people, when ye see a cloud rise up out of the west, straightway you say there cometh a shower. And so it is. And when ye see the south wind blow, ye say there will be heat and it cometh to pass. Ye hypocrites. Ye discern the face of the sky and, on the, and of the earth. But how is it that ye do not discern this time? The time that we are in. You have a, a, a society that is structured to remove your children from you. 
It begins at nursery or kindergarten. It begins at reception. Remove them from you and teach them. Then, they, then they're taken to school, to college, to university. And by the time they go to university, your child becomes unrecognisable. But in much the same way, your own child can become unrecognisable because society is structured in a way where they take, from, take them from you and pump them with information which is contrary to what you believe and who you identify yourself as. It's the same with your, with your husband, with your wife, with your parents. But Messiah is ultimately declaring the same thing with regards to the kingdom. See, prior to his message, there was a message that was prevalent. The message that was prevalent prior to his message was one prescribed by the sages, the scribes the lawyers, the Pharisees and Sadducees. And his message was offensive against theirs. He hadn't, he hadn't come to make peace in the homes. He came to bring a sword. And the sword that he came to bring would ultimately free the people from captivity to sin unrighteousness, which would ultimately lead to death. In a military sense, when you're freeing people from a captive situation, a hostage situation, more than likely the people you are releasing from captivity you have to do so by shedding some blood. Usually, if you take hostages, you are prepared to go all the way. And as such, if you're freeing people from hostage situations, you may send in a negotiator, but typically there needs to be some bloodshed to free the people. Casualties. Messiah didn't come to bring peace. He came to free people who were being held captive. And as a consequence, there are going to be some casualties. But if you're not prepared to be freed, and for the casualties, then all that's going to take place is you await the same judgment, the same punishment as them. 
who are going to be condemned. Yeshua is telling his disciples, you can discern the time or the seasons, the sky and the earth, but you can't discern the time. This division in the home is testament of the time that we're in. Yea, and why even of yourselves judge ye not what is right? When thou goest with thine adversary to the magistrate, as thou art in a way, give diligence that thou mayest be delivered from him, lest he hail thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and the officer cast thee into prison. I tell thee, thou shalt not depart thence till thou hast paid the very last mite. You can discern. We have the word, what time we are in. You therefore know what is right. And if that be the case, you need to make peace with your accuser while you're in the way with him. Don't wait for you to be standing in front of the judge for you to, to make a case. To plead for mercy. This period that we are in is a period where many of us are living on mercy and living on grace day by day by day. When really, if we know what is right, let's start doing that which is right before we stand at the judgment. It's important that we recognize having experience of both realities, the reality of the life we are all currently living right now and the life that came before it and that will extend after it being Alpha and Omega. He's saying to his disciples, the fire that I'm kindling, the division that I'm, that I'm bringing, you want to make sure that it's not you who is offended by my words, but that you embrace them. Don't worry about the three that's divided against you in your house or the two that's divided against you in your house. Don't worry about your, your sons who don't want to comply to what you have said and, and as they have left your home. Don't worry about your daughters and therefore be compelled to, 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 
to change your foundation to comply to the part of the life that they are now experiencing. Don't allow the, that, that kind of pressure to pull you off from your base. Because this life that we're currently living is but a moment. He's saying to his disciples, store your treasures in heaven. Fix your gaze on the kingdom of Jehovah. You may lose wife. You may lose husband. Mothers, fathers, children, land, houses. But you will receive many more in this time and in the time that is to come. I've seen the Most High do tremendous things. And many of those times I've seen him do tremendous things had I not been standing on a word of faith. Being fully prepared to sacrifice the very things which I hold truly dear to me, I wouldn't know about him the things that I know about him. He is able above what we can think and imagine. Well, how do we get to see the ableness of him above what we can think to imagine? Trust in his word. Trust in his word. Be willing to gird up your loins. The flood is here. The wind is here. I'm going to stand on this rock and whatever will be, will be. I'm going to trust on this foundation. Whatever will be, will be. Now, when, when that flood comes and that wind comes, you can look and see all the other houses mash up on the beach. And you're good to go for another day, another week, another month, another year. So think it not strange. When your service to the master divides you from your sons and daughters. Mothers and fathers. Husbands and wives. Discern the time that we're in. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. And therefore the children of the kingdom are called out. <coughs> That's the time that we're in. And therefore you must make a distinction between yourself and the world which is destined 
for the wrath of the Most High. Now you don't want to experience the cutting asunder or nor the many stripes. And so my encouragement to you is to gird up your loins. Let your lights be burning. Don't allow the fear of the division and the kindling of fire and the disruption the word can cause in your home to be a reason why you don't serve him. Because if you do, you, 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 it's a testament that you didn't actually know who you're serving. You didn't know the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. Thank you for fellowshipping with us today. I hope the word was a tremendous blessing unto you. If it was, then visit our website at hoiuk.com. Subscribe to our newsletter to stay connected. Follow our podcast on SoundCloud and on iTunes. And why not fellowship with us live in real time each Saturday at 1pm on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope and DLive. I hope to see you again soon. Shalom.